Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this very first episode of this brand new podcast, Life in the Pit. My name is David Lane, and I'm very happy to be your host and excited to start this podcast. This is, I'm sure, one of many podcasts that is beginning in the midst of a pandemic during COVID-19. I'm recording this first episode and actually the first several episodes of this podcast for my home studio. This episode is just going to be me talking a little bit about the podcast, a little bit about what we plan to do, and a little bit about the schedule, and also some information about myself. Starting next week, however, each episode is going to feature a guest. And since these first few episodes will have been recorded during a pandemic, that means my guests that are being interviewed will not be in the same room as me. So the audio may be a little bit uneven. We'll probably be doing this on Skype or some other format. And we will do the best we can given the circumstances, the limitations that we have during this time. But I am very confident that what we are offering as far as material and also the quality of the guests that we're bringing on the show is going to be a lot of fun if the subject is of any interest to you. So what subject am I talking about? I'm talking about the pit as it is in music theater. The pit is, of course, a literal place in some theaters. In theaters that have a larger budget, the pit can be a a movable platform, but it is a place that goes below in front of the stage. And this is where you find your musicians in a theatrical production, what we call the pit. Your pit could be as many as 20, 20 plus, maybe 30 in a really big production musicians led by a conductor. Could be just four or five or six musicians. Could be a pianist all, all by himself. And as you'll also find out in these episodes with my many guests, the pit is sometimes a figurative place, meaning where you put the musicians. So the pit could be backstage behind one of the curtains, often one of the wings, could be in the lobby of the theater, could be on a platform built above the stage. So when I talk about life in the pit, what I'm talking about is the lifestyle, the adventures of musicians who perform for musical theater to accompany the production. They sometimes are part of the production. They're actually the characters of the musicians that are playing on stage. And I've got some, I have some guests who have done that before. We'll, we'll certainly talk about that. But quite often, the musicians are not meant to be seen. They're only meant to be heard. Most theatrical directors want the audience to be looking at the actors or the set or the costumes or the props but not the musicians, not in most cases. So for that very reason, you have the pit. The other reason that you have a literal pit is just a matter of volume, just a matter of less than 100 years ago. Your actors on stage had large pit orchestras, and they had to be able to be heard over those orchestras, even though they didn't have microphones. Even with microphones, sometimes a soloist is not going to be able to outsing, for example, 
a trumpet section and maybe trombones and uh, electric bass and drums and a couple of keyboards going along at the same time. Therefore, the pit provides a solution via physics by being below the audience, below the stage or in the backstage. The instruments are not as loud. They could still be heard, but this gives a chance for the actors to be heard over the instruments. Just a little bit more 101 before we go on here. Let's just talk about what kind of theater we're talking about. For the most part, I've thought of basically there are five categories of music theater that we'll be mentioning, and not necessarily to talk about them in separate categories. It largely depends on the experience of the guests that we brought in. But I'll start with, on the small end, and these first two kind of go together, is community theater and school theater. So what these two have in common is that they are mostly for volunteers. Now, depending on the school, especially if it's in a college for a theater program, of course, they might be paying to do this, but they also might be under scholarship and they might be required to do this as far as being in the show. And by the way, I am talking about the actors themselves. The musicians that I'll be interviewing are all paid professionals. And even in community theater and, um, and in schools, they are still provided payment for their services. I won't get into how much, but as they'll probably tell you, they, they don't do this for the paycheck. Community theater is what it sounds like. It is theater for the community. Some of your actors are actually professional quality. They are trained vocalists. They are trained dancers. They might even have education in being a singer or a dancer or other musician. They might also currently be in school for that and are wanting to get some more experience before the expectations are a lot higher. However, you also have a lot of people in music theater that have other careers outside of the arts. You have lawyers, you have doctors, people who work for insurance companies, college professors, loan officers, architects, CEOs of companies, and just a variety of people who are looking to the outlet of theater. And I will say from experience in most of these realms that I'll be talking about, that the standard for a lot of community shows that I have music directed myself is really not any lower than those of professional shows. The difference, of course, is going to be the amount of time that they can devote to rehearsal. The other big difference is going to be the budget that's allowed for the production. So this means they can't put as much thought into the set. They may not have the technology that some of the professional theaters do. But I have worked in productions on both community and in school productions where I thought the standard of excellence was just about as high, if not as high, as a professional production. So if you're an aspiring musician, this is a good way to get some experience without maybe the pressure of expectation that comes with more professional shows before you try your hand at those two. So there are three other types of theater, and these are the professional kind. We have regional, we have touring, and we have Broadway. Regional professional theater is basically any professional theater, at least in the United States, that is anywhere but New York City. And actually, more specific than that, it's any professional theater that's anywhere but New York City on what's called the Broadway District. So this is a huge amount of choices. 
Usually when somebody is talking about regional theater, though, they're not talking about New York, but they're talking about perhaps a theater in Iowa or in North Carolina or in Georgia, Philadelphia, or any number of places where you have a professional company with professional standards, and it's everything that you would expect on Broadway. But again, probably not with the budget of Broadway, but still the same standards of excellence. After that, you have touring companies. If you've seen a Broadway production of something like Wicked, but you didn't see it in New York by the actual Broadway company, most likely you saw a touring company. These shows are cast just for that production, and they are what they sound like. They go around all over the country playing for a week or two, um, maybe three weeks in one location, usually a pretty large city, usually in a large venue that uh, is able to house that. I currently live in North Carolina, and, and in my area, you have a place in Charlotte and you have a place in Durham that houses touring companies. As far as a pit musician is concerned, some of the musicians on these tours travel with the company. In a lot of cases, however, we're only talking about part of the pit, only part of the musicians that are needed for the show. The remainder of the musicians that are needed for a given production are usually hired regionally or locally. Finally, that brings us to Broadway. So this is the theater that's in the Broadway district of New York, and this is the theater with the highest budget for everybody involved, whether it's the musicians or whether it's for the actors or for the crew. And this is what I think most actors especially aspire to. They want to say that they've made it on Broadway. And um, your musicians may be a little bit different. I think it depends on their overall goals. I don't know a whole lot of people who moved to New York for the sole purpose of being a full-time pit musician. It is lucrative on its own, but not necessarily so when you consider the cost of living of the city itself. For a pit musician, you might be better off being on tour, living somewhere else, or being in a regional theater. That said, a lot of musicians quite enjoy being in the pit on Broadway and that does lead to other opportunities, especially if you have other goals that are related to working in New York, whether that be uh, later on becoming a music director or being an arranger or being a conductor or even being a producer or some other role in a Broadway production. Okay, enough about the 101 of Pitt and theater. I want to talk about what we're going to be doing on the show, but first I should go ahead and just get out of the way. Who am I? Why am I doing this? As I've said, the episodes after this are going to feature some guests, and I am not going to be doing very much talking about myself. I'm going to let my guests tell you about them, and almost anything I'd want to tell you about experience in the theater is going to be something that's going to be doubled from one of their own stories, but I may sneak in a story here and there. But I'm going to give you a shortened version. I'm not going to give you my whole life story, but I'll just talk about my background in music and how that led me to the theater. Just before I started first grade, my mother had me begin piano lessons, and that was an important part of my life all throughout school. It wasn't until I got to 11th grade and I started composing music for the first time that I began to think about music professionally. That led me to choosing music composition as, as a major in college. And I did four years of that in Jacksonville, Florida at uh, Jacksonville University. And then I spent two years after that pursuing a Master of Music in Film Music 
in North Carolina School of the Arts. I didn't do anything aggressive early on to pursue the film scoring side of my career, so North Carolina School of the Arts is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and what happened is after I graduated, I stuck around. I got a job at a music store that led me to teaching piano, and that led me to taking a lot of gigs in the area as a pianist, doing various things. All while I, I did some short films, I also used to play French horn, used to play in a few ensembles. I would do commissions as a composer, as an arranger, and that's probably the first 10 years after I graduated from North Carolina School of the Arts. In 2009, I got a call from a guy, I'll just say his first name, which was Jack. Jack and I have still to this day never met in person. I'm I believe he got my name from someone who plays flute that we both know. He probably called me for a couple of gigs that I ended up accepting in 2006, 2007, maybe 2008, somewhere around there. And in return, when there was a gig that I couldn't do, I I offered it to him. So we had this interesting understanding going on. And in the fall of 2009, he called to ask if I could do this show that was a Christmas show and I wasn't really sure what he was talking about when he said show but you know I went with that said that they needed a pianist and he said he was asked to play this score by somebody else the person said that the book the the music itself was just too difficult to play and definitely too difficult for the amount of time that uh, that person had to learn it so what Jack was telling me was he agreed with that person. It was too difficult to play this book. And would I be willing to call the director, maybe get the book and see if I would be interested in doing the show? So I did. I called the director. And uh, and I'll just go ahead and say in advance, the director is still a friend of mine. I've, I've worked with him on many productions since then. In this instance, I called him up and, and he was very happy to talk to me. And he told me, where I could go to pick up the book and take a look at it, and I did. And I started looking at the book, leaving where I picked up the score and walking to my car. By the time I got to my car, I had reached the conclusion that this indeed was too difficult of a score, and I wasn't going to be able to learn this in the time that I had. Uh, so later that evening, I, I called up this director and I told him, and... He basically pleaded with me to reconsider. So they really needed a pianist. They were about to start rehearsing in three days and they, uh, in music rehearsals. Being the composer that I am, I simply asked, well, can I rewrite the part for myself? So I should say the, the reason that this book was so difficult is it wasn't really a piano part, but it was what's called a reduced orchestration. You can tell that it has a bass part, it has... Uh, parts for woodwinds, for um, strings, and it's all kind of mashed up in the score. It was a very jazz-heavy score, and you have like these eight, nine, ten-note chords moving in parallel motion, and it was just a bit absurd, but it did have chord symbols, and if I didn't have to follow every single note and I could follow this chord symbols, I could come up with something in the ballpark, and the director said, that sounds good. Let's go with that. So now let's go to the day of the first music rehearsal. The theater provided a keyboard, 
Um, we were in a location of one of the actors, and we were waiting on one of the actors to show up. This was a cast of four members. Three of them were there, and I was there, and the music director wasn't there. So I just asked the people that were there, who is supposed to lead these music rehearsals? They all looked at each other, a little confused. Then one of them turned to me and said, you are. I quickly pieced together that this theater only hires music directors who can teach the vocal parts, but also play the piano part. It's a package deal. Well, one of the things that I had been doing for the previous 10 years is I had been a choir director, um, a music director for local churches. So I was used to teaching vocal parts, so I hadn't had a chance to prepare the score, so I was sight reading it as I went. But just like that, trial by fire, I was music directing this show. Now, I wasn't the only one music directing the show, but because I came in so late, I couldn't do a lot of the rehearsals they had planned. So there were three other people that served as teaching the parts to the cast. When the show uh, eventually made it to the stage, I got to lead the band. It was me, uh, a bassist and a drummer, a jazz trio. And I believe it ran for two weeks, maybe three weeks. I'm not sure. I know at least two or three shows. It was a Christmas show and two or three shows were snowed out and we were not able to reschedule. So I'm very good friends with one of the actors. I'm just going to say hello to him. His name is Neil. Hi, Neil. I'm pretty sure if I know him, I know he's listening to this episode. So Neil knows this show as the show that shall not be named. Not that we didn't have a good time in doing the show, but just with the cluster of having, first of all, four music directors, one of the cast members was brought in literally at the last moment to replace another uh, and then let's, I'm not going to tell you the name of the show. <laughs> you can probably, if you're local, you can do some research and figure out what it is. But the show, the book itself, that is to say the dialogue that was spoken between the songs was so bad that it was completely scrapped. This became unintentionally what's called a through-sing musical, which means there's no talking. It's just song after song after song. And I don't even think the production clocked in at a full hour, which makes it the shortest musical still to this day that I've done. Well, in spite of how hectic it was, uh, I really enjoyed the experience, but I, I didn't give a whole lot of thought. I, I realized that the remainder of this theater season was planned, so I wasn't expecting to hear from them for a while. But then half a year went by, and the new season started, and I didn't hear from anybody. And got to 2011 and I was having kind of a tough year as far as gigs were concerned. I wasn't getting a lot of gigs. So I sent a message to the director and just asked, do you have any shows where I can help in any way, whether it's playing piano, whether it's music directing? And he quickly got back to me and said, oh sure, we, we need a music director for this first show that's going to be using tracks. So a few things about tracks. Tracks are when you don't hire a band, but you just have recorded, pre-recorded music playing along with the show. And then there was another Christmas production, this time a, a much better one, uh, much fonder experience uh, with some cast members that I still call friends that I met uh, during that. It was another jazz trio. That one, uh, again, was live music. As I found out later, there were some questions about whether or not I enjoyed myself. I didn't make that clear at the time. 
And it was assumed that I probably didn't, and I wasn't someone that they were going to call for future shows. But once I corrected him of that, I was called for shows. 2012, I was involved in four productions, and I don't think I've been involved before this year with COVID-19. I haven't been involved with any fewer than four productions per year, and I've been involved with as many as... um, I have to double check. It was either 10 or 11 shows on one year. Most of these are as music director, but sometimes I do play for uh, other productions as a second keyboardist or as a first keyboardist. Later on, we'll get into the makeup of the pit and the types of instruments that are most common and how the process goes and, and some of the instruments that are not as common. But at any rate, I have enjoyed a great decade since then. Some of my credits include doing productions of Spring Awakening. I've done a production of what we call Les Mis, Les Miserables, Next to Normal, Chicago, Fun Home, Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid. Uh, some of these shows I've done more more than once. A lot of these are for community theater, but I've also worked with high school. I've worked with college. I do have professional equity experience, not that I was paid equity, but that the actors I worked with was equity. And that was thanks to the partnership that I formed with Brad Bass and Carrie Joy. They have written, uh, they've actually written more than one musical, but they have this one musical called The Collins Boy. And it has had several readings or, or productions or performances of that show since 2016 when I came on board. And I am their arranger, and at the moment I'm the music director for when we do have productions. It was most recently in the 2019 Atlanta Music Theater Festival in August of that year. I've gotten to work with some great actors, uh, such as Lisa Howard, Russell Fisher, Tony Galdi, Jeff Creedy, Chris Hall, and so many more. And it's a bit of an elephant in the room, but I'll go ahead and tell you about one of the other things that I do for theater that other than music directing and other than playing the piano. Some productions, for one reason or another, cannot use live music in their productions. In some cases, they don't have the budget to pay uh, the musicians to come in for what would be sometimes three or four rehearsals, and maybe anywhere from three or four to nine, ten, eleven, sometimes fourteen, fifteen shows. As a live musician, I want to find ways around that. I want to encourage live music. The whole reason I'm doing this podcast is because I am a big fan of live music. I've been told by many audience members how much it means to have live music in a production. Uh, However, one really big factor that uh, happens a lot of times is that what people are using as theaters, what these companies are using as theaters, they don't have the space. They might have a spot that they could put one or two musicians, and that just wouldn't sound very good, especially if your book was written for 25-piece orchestra. And even if you had the space for a 25-piece orchestra, you might not have the technology or the acoustics for the cast to be able to sing above that. So while I am a a big spokesman for live music, and I I will be very adamant about that, I also respect that there are some circumstances where It just is not going to be feasible for a production to be put on if they have to adequately provide the musicians that would be able to play the book live. So there are pre-recorded tracks for a lot of shows that theaters can use. 
And one of the things that I do is sometimes there's a show that doesn't have pre-recorded tracks, and I use my home studio and I create those tracks. It's just one of the complicated elements of this industry, but first and foremost, I, I want to be sure that a, a production can be put on in the highest quality, and if I can help, I will. I would rather that be in the form of giving local musicians opportunities, paid opportunities to play and also give the audience just the thrill of having live music in a performance. If you haven't experienced it yourself, I encourage you to note the difference. Now, sometimes live music also causes smaller theaters some other problems, especially when it comes to, if they don't have a pit, balance. Um, sound can be an issue in a lot of these cases. Okay, enough of that. We're just about out of time. I'm going to try to keep these episodes somewhere between 30 and 40 minutes in. I, de- I definitely did not want this one to be one of the long episodes since it's just me. I'm looking forward to our next episodes. I have several guests line up all- already. In all likelihood, we're going to be recording these episodes in batches. And then I hope to be releasing them once a week, every Friday. And I was trying to think about what is a good day to release a podcast episode. Well, Friday is the traditional opening night day of the week. And I just thought, how perfect would it be every Friday morning to have one of these podcasts available? So I'll just tell you a little bit about some of the guests that I have coming up. I have um, I have acquaintances and friends who have worked in the community and school theaters. They've also done regional and touring. I don't at this point have anybody who has played in a Broadway pit, but if this show receives a lot of support and if we're, we're able to do it, I, I will do my best to find someone who can fill that need. I do know Broadway actors, people who have been in the original production of, of Wicked. Uh, I'm going to try to get them on at some point. But I have guitarists, I have percussionists, I have woodwind players, I have brass players, uh, I have bassists, and I have keyboardists, I have music directors, and composers and arrangers. So um, we're just going to ask them to tell us about just some of their fondest and, and maybe not so fond memories of playing in the pit, but also just to tell us about themselves and what theater has meant to them. My first guest is going to be guitarist Alan Beck, who is a phenomenal guitarist, plays uh, every style you need for theater, but he's also in his spare time. He is a great jazz guitarist, and he has played uh, with some local jazz bands, and I'll certainly be sure to ask him about that. He's also had some onstage experience in a very popular local show called The Million Dollar Quartet, and... I'll definitely ask him about that. Okay, we've just about reached the end of this episode, and so now is when I need to plea for you. I, I, I may not do this every single episode, but I'm definitely going to do it now in the first few episodes. I have about five episodes, this included, so four more episodes planned that I will definitely be releasing. But if I'm going to do more beyond that, there's a couple of things I'm going to need you to do. So the first is to subscribe to this podcast. So actually, I'm sorry, not a couple. There are three things. First is to subscribe to this podcast, uh, whether that's on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Second thing that would help a whole lot is if you enjoyed this show 
if you th- even think you're going to enjoy the future shows, if you'll please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. The more five-star reviews, the better, because that will help us to be seen by others. And then finally, if you please share this podcast with your friends. I have a feeling a lot of you are probably listening to this because you know some of the musicians I'm going to be bringing on, or you know me. And uh, you're in theater as actors, as crew. Please share this. And, And again, please subscribe. Please review. The more visible we can be seen, the more chance we have to later on possibly be able to monetize the podcast. And uh, then we have a lot of options after that as to what direction the show can go on. In the meantime, thanks for all of your support. The next two episodes are already up and ready for you to enjoy. If you want to learn what it's like to be a guitarist in a pit, please check out my wonderful interview with Alan Beck in episode two. Special thanks to Mark Parolo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to the podcast. All original music is composed and performed by David Lane. For the time being, you can find out more about this podcast at davidlanemusic.com slash podcast or at our Podbean page. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app and share with your friends. Thank you for listening. Strike the set for this show and scene.